Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. The Rebel Report from Super Talk Mississippi with Brian Scott Rippey and Colin Brister. Listen carefully. What's up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday, November 25th edition of the Rebel Report podcast. Uh, It's Thanksgiving week, which means the nationally irrelevant Egg Bowl is back. A lot to get into today. Ole Miss had a pretty interesting basketball game over the weekend in a uh, really awesome environment, I thought, for a November college basketball game. They lost to Memphis 87-86. I thought there were some good things in the game for Ole Miss. I thought there were some very alarming things in the game for Ole Miss. We'll get into that some, too. Front court kind of failed its first, I guess, major test. Um Memphis is really good. If they get James Wiseman back, they got a chance to be pretty special. Um, get into some of that. Ole Miss didn't have a football game this week. They had a bye week, but now they have the Egg Bowl this week in a battle of teams that combine for single-digit wins. I think, what, they're 5-6 and six and 4-7, and seven respectively. So I guess the Egg Bowl back in familiar territory. What's up? Not much. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a, it was a pretty good basketball game on Saturday. You know, obviously – you're Ole Miss fan, you preferred to have scored two more points than what you did, but I think there was, you know, look, Ole Miss didn't play extremely well, but there were certainly some good signs that came out of uh, the FedEx Forum on Saturday. That was a good test, and for the people, like, I had a, a couple people tweeting me, and again, not saying it, I hate it when, like, two people tweet something or ten people tweet something, and they talk, and then, like, People in like our business like say, well, everyone's saying this. I did have a, a, quite a few people displeased with the fact that this game is scheduled, and I think I know Ole Miss people don't like playing Memphis in general. I think that's a really as long as I mean, I guess Memphis is a little volatile. They've got the NCAA stuff, I guess, starting to happen. But as long as Memphis is a relevant program, I think that's a game that helps Ole Miss a lot, and it's the easy one to get on the schedule. I'm a hundred percent like not that I really care, but like from an Ole Miss standpoint, if I were coaching Ole Miss. I would want to play that game. And Kermit Davis kind of echoed that sentiment afterward. He said, you know, as soon as uh, kind of he got the job here, he called and Penny, I guess he and Penny really came in at the same time, right? And he yeah. called Penny and was like, look, we need to do this happen. I'll make it easy for you. I'll come up there first. But they like having this game. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's useful for Ole Miss. You can't tell me there wasn't good that came out of that for Kermit Davis at Ole Miss. Yeah, no, I mean, if I'm Ole Miss, I want to play the game, but I also don't make it contingent on us having to play them in football either. Yeah, that's a different um, story. I agree. Yeah, I mean, if they if they want a football game out of it, I'd tell them to kick rock. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, Blake Henson played well on Saturday. Um, KJ Buffin has got to stop fouling if this team is going to do literally anything. Um, there were some turnover issues that were alarming. But, yeah, look, they almost had some contributions from some kids. Uh, that, that has to be looked at as extreme positive. And if Memphis was better than they are, that's okay. I mean, Memphis is supposed to be better than they are uh, at this time of the year. But, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it was – would you prefer to win? Yes. But is, is Saturday, a, you know, an indictment or anything? No, I'd say it's kind of the opposite. Yeah, they, 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 they seem certainly has some issues facing it. Um, 
And I think it, I think this game outlined some strengths and some weaknesses for Ole Miss. And I, I guess we'll just get right into it. I mean, Ole Miss loses 87-86. Um, I guess some general thoughts on that. Uh, Preston Achua and DJ Jeffries are men amongst boys inside, or even if it's men Boy, amongst men. Ole Miss had Jeffries, they'd be something else. Yeah, uh, and I thought I was right. Uh, I knew a little bit about Achua. I think I'm saying that right as soon as, when yeah. coming into the game. But, man, that kid is strong. He grabs man-sized rebounds, and he's honestly, for a big guy, has pretty soft touch around there. I was really, I knew, I knew DJ Jeffries was good just based on kind of the hype surrounding him. Granted, I don't only watched Memphis play about one and a half games this year. I watched some of the Oregon game and some of sub shitter school they killed. But uh, Achuho is really, I was uh, really impressed by him. Uh, he was kind of particularly early on in the. Um, there was a stretch. Late first half, and then he scores the first seven points out of halftime, where he was kind of the difference uh, in that p- part of the game. And really, I thought he single-handedly influenced the game more so than any other player. I know Jeffries had, what, 23, 25, something like that. They combined for 48. But uh, I thought Achua influenced the game more so than anyone else on the floor. He, he was super impressive. Ole Miss really didn't have an answer for him. Um, and a lot of that was because Hadim C., uh, only played four first half minutes because he was saddled with foul trouble, and I think that's probably main. I'm kind of bouncing around here, but I, I thought Achua was really good, and Ole Miss really didn't have an answer for him inside. Yeah, Ole Miss, like you said, got saddled with foul trouble. The game was officiated way too tightly, um, and, and that cost Ole Miss when you get Buffin and C and Henson um, all with two fouls in the first half. Um, and now, granted, some of those fouls were stupid. I didn't think these were particularly good calls. Buffin was just doing really dumb things uh, from a foul perspective. But, yeah, look, Preston Secure is a stud. DJ Jeffries is a stud. Um, they have really good guard play. Alex Lomax, Ole Miss played. Well, I didn't, I didn't like how Ole Miss played Lomax. He, the guy's not a great shooter, and they would, they busted it out to the perimeter to try to take away his three-point shot. Well, with him in the game, right by them consistently. The, with him in the game, they probably should have zoned more because a guy that small, the 1-3-1 could have caused him, and whatever that other little uh, smaller-ish guard that was in the game, whenever they in the same time, uh, friend of the program, Bracken Ray, pointed that out to me. I, I would have thought Ole Miss might have zoned a bit more because that would have caused them a lot of issues because they aren't very long. Yeah, and so, I mean, but look, I mean, you lose a one-point game to Memphis for Brian Tyree and Devontae Shuler have extremely tough games. Am I saying this right? Because, look, I watched this game on TV, and I don't know if you if you know, there were no commentators, so it was hard to see exactly what was going on. Why is that? It, what what was the deal with that? I, I had people, I saw people complaining about that. Why, what is, why is in, in modern day, it was on ESPN3, right? Why are there, I don't understand. What, what, what's going on? It wasn't on? an ESPN3. It was a, like, how do I explain it? It was like a high school basketball state championship stream. Um, like, that was the type of school board that it was. And uh, it wasn't an ESPN, like, production. Let's put it that way. Um, why is a game it, like that on that kind of, like, why? Do you know why? I mean, I guess they just didn't have anywhere to put it on TV. And I guess Memphis had to scrap something up to, to get it where you could view it at all. I guess so. But, uh, Anyway, yeah, not not that important, but yes, it, it was. Uh, apparently, the broadcast was very bad. Yeah, and I, I don't know. You couldn't really tell, but it seemed like Schuler didn't play a lot towards the end of the game. Like it seemed like he was missing first some time, where Bryce Williams was taking a lot of minutes. 
Um, I, well, I think that had to do with one. I don't. I think the the pressure on the perimeter. And I asked Kermit about this after the game. And while he didn't necessarily think it played a huge factor in the game, he thought the perimeter pressure that Memphis applied kind of bothered Chew or some. And he thought he got very worn down and very tired. And it really just got to the end of the game. Kermit was very frustrated with the way Brian and Schuler guarded in transition because if you notice, and Kermit said this after the game, like no one spends more time on transition defense than Ole Miss. They do it every. Like he's like, we do it every single day. Um, they that was really a, a kind of a maybe a little bit of a hidden component to how Ole Miss lost this game. The guards were really bad in transition defense. Memphis threw balls up the floor by by Ole Miss and beat them down the floor pretty yeah. regularly. That was a big problem. I think he was frustrated with that. I think he watched Shewer turn it over a couple times to kind of get bothered and worn down by the pressure and just kind of rolled with Williams there towards the end. Yeah. Um, and obviously, look, I mean, how do I say this? Devontae Shewer is going to have to be on the floor in crunch time for Ole Miss if this team's going to do anything. Um, sure, he just had a bad game. Yeah, and, and that's fine. I think Honest to God, I don't know if he had a bad game last year, so he's allowed one of these. Um, I do think there's a legitimate concern about Brian Tyree's offensive performance so far. I don't think I don't think it's just you know happenstance right now. I think there's the way he's shooting the basketball is not great. Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Well, I'll get into that in a second. I've got that written down. I've got a couple others. I think Ole Miss found out something, and I was talking to Ben about this a little bit as the game was happening. Uh, one small sample size, uh, Blake Henson, they obviously missed him. He made an impact, yeah, made, a, made a couple of shots, uh, was kind of getting after rebounds, getting on the floor after loose balls. Uh, they didn't really fare in what he played. Henson played, let me, I have it in front of me. I want to make he sure. He played way more minutes than they wanted him to. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah I, but I think some of that, he played 21 minutes. So I said 15 when I got asked about it, uh, before the game from somebody just as a guess. Um, but I think it was one of those things where, one, they got in foul trouble and they needed him, and they saw that he was faring okay, so they felt more comfortable letting him out there. 21, not a ton, but they kept him on the floor for probably some longer stretches than they wanted. But he, he was fine, 15 points. He's going to help them down the stretch. Now, in this game, Drew. Pretty bad on defense, though. He's got, and, and that might just be an out-of-shape thing from not playing basketball for three months. Well, the whole team struggles with getting driven on. They uh Ole Miss has, allows teams to straight line drive on them and just kind of get clear pass to the rim, uh, really more so than any team. I mean, I haven't watched a ton of college hoops this year, but it, that's definitely one of their defensive issues. And, you know, one of them with Austin Crowley really changed the course of the game. Ole Miss with about three minutes left to cut it to five. And I think it was Lomax. I could be wrong about that. Drove it right, just really just blew by him, went to his right. There wasn't really anything fancy about his move. He didn't get screened, just drove right by him for an and one, and that put it back to eight. Yeah, Ole Miss kind of made a comeback at the end, but to me, I think that was with just over two minutes left. That felt like the backbreaker. Um, oh, absolutely. I know we're kind of bouncing around here, but the Blake Henson, he's going to help them. They didn't fare as well offensively in the half court. Like There wasn't much of a direct effect with that. I think that'll kind of happen over time with him out there. But I say all that to say... I'm not sure this small ball experiment with Buffin at the five and Blake at the four is necessarily going to work. I'm not sure Blake is currently big enough. I think he's 226, what, right at six foot six. I think what Ole Miss found out more so than anything on Saturday is that they need Hadim C on the floor. Like, he has to play. He might turn into a little bit of the Schuler a la 2018 where he's kind of the most crucial piece. He's got to play. I don't think that small ball lineup on its own is going to work for long stretches. And him playing four minutes in the first half just isn't going to cut it. They, they, he's got to play because he gave them something in the second half. I think he had 
what, nine points, six rebounds, a couple assists. But, I mean, you saw it right when he was able to play right out of halftime. He made a layup and assisted on a three-point shot and took a charge, uh, like bang, 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 in a matter of about five possessions. And uh, he's got a pretty decent jump shot. They need him on the floor uh, majorly. So I think it's kind of shifted from, from hey, we need to get they need to get Blake back so he can kind of deploy this small ball lineup and have Buffin and Hints on the floor to where I think he probably would prefer to have Buffin four C five and then have shoot and then have Henson replace Rodriguez at the three. To be completely honest, yeah, yeah, I don't disagree at all. Um, that's probably what they need to do for, from a success standpoint. Look, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, you know, speak too much on this. They lost the basketball game to Memphis. They were, you know, they were a four-to-point underdog. They technically covered, I guess, you want to count Shuler's last three. I think it was Shuler that shot that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it, Blake Henson played well. Uh, I thought Hadeen C, when he was on the floor, played well. It was unfortunate he got into early foul trouble, kind of with the ticky-tack fouls. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, they lost the basketball game with Brian Tyree and Devontae Shuler didn't play extremely well. Um, if you're going to lose, I think that's how you brought up. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Uh, but I thought, I mean, results aside, I just thought this game was telling. I, I'm not in Kermit Davis's mind. I don't know what they're thinking after that game. But my my thinking on that is the number one takeaway is that they need Hadim C on the floor a lot. Um, you know, him getting in foul trouble put increased stress on Sammy Hunter, who I thought fared pretty well for the most part. I thought he played okay. I think the game kind of overwhelmed uh, Duke. He's gonna, it's going to take a little bit for him, in my opinion. Uh, yes, but I, I thought one of the things was telling about this is, one, Kermit wasn't afraid to play him extended minutes, which means he trusts him enough in a game like that, whereas a guy like Carlos Curry, who didn't touch the floor, I think that's pretty telling in the sense that they don't Yeah, got speed to him and Franco Miller. It, it appears that it's over there. Sure. I mean, it's November. Stranger things have happened on a college basketball court, but where they are right now is not in a place where Kermit Davis trusts them enough to play in a game like that. I thought that was telling... I thought the game overwhelmed Dude Column a little bit in the first half. He played better in the second half and did some nice things. But, uh, I, I'm gonna, I, look, you're right. It did overwhelm him. But I, you can see where that kid could be a pretty good Division One basketball player, too. Sure. He's a, he's going to be okay. I, I thought the first, I would say, six to seven minutes he was in the game, in the particularly in the I mean, definitely in the first half, was not very good. After that, I think he kind of recovered, settled down, did some nice things. Um, but uh, th- all of this is to say... With them not trusting Curry, Hunter's not there yet, but he's doing some okay things. You can see signs of progress. They need C to be that guy he was in the second half, and they needed to do that for about 28 to 32 minutes a night and be really good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to know that. I didn't even know that. I completely agree. Um, they, they need the DNC. He's probably the most impactful player on the team, right? Yeah, I mean, look, again, they're five games into the season. I'm not trying to overreact here, but that that seems fairly obvious at this point. They really need him out there. They need him out there a lot. I thought another thing that um, that showed from the game, you mentioned Tyree. So Tyree made three of his next four shots, and then I think he had a stretch where he went like one for, I don't want to say wrong. He finished his seven for 20 after he started, he made three of his first four. I swear, there, at one point he was four of 16, so I think he had a one of 12 stretch in that game. Um, I, I think his reflection of kind of what Ole Miss did as a team, where I think they were set, I think they were settling for perimeter jump shots. You've seen, I mean, a Western Michigan game 
And mo- a lot of, I think, the first half of the Seattle game kind of showed Brian at his, when he's good, he's getting to the basket. That's him driving to the rim and getting to the rim is kind of setting up that mid-range game, as we've talked about, to where he settled for a lot of perimeter jump shots. Whereas I thought the team did for long stretches in this game when they kind of made their run in the second <laughs> half after they got down 16, which was obviously albeit a little too late. They got to the rim a lot more. They were a lot more aggressive and drove the ball, and they played better offensively as a result. That's not really a coincidence at all. But I think Tyree's play there kind of was reflective of kind of how most of the team was for most night. Seven of 20, not efficient at all. I mean, he did score 24 points, but uh, that was uh, not his best day and definitely not Sewer's best day. Tyree turned it over six times. They just had a tough game from their guards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, Brian, there's legitimate concern about, you know, turnover issues against teams with athletics. He struggled in games like that against uh, LSU last year. He turned it over too much Memphis uh, this year. I, I think Link bothers him. I just does probably a lot of people. Um, and then obviously fewer not playing well just compounded the issue. Yeah, I mean, I think with Tyree, look, he's an all-SEC guard for a reason. I don't think he's going to continue to shoot the basketball at the clip that he is. I think that's going to come around at some point. But when he's not making perimeter jump shots, they've got to somehow find a way to kind of encourage him to go to the rim more because I, he's not doing that for whatever reason, or he's doing it in spots. He's not doing it consistently enough, and uh, I think that's definitely hurting him. I think he'll end up being fine. Again, I think he's going to end up shooting the ball better than he is right now. But as of right now, he just hasn't been very good or consistent offensively for him. So at the end of the day, they played really poorly for long stretches of this game. Uh, you know, had a, I mean, they're still kind of a backcourt. I mean, they're not kind of. They're still a backcourt-oriented team. They had a bad game from Shewer and Tyree and still kind of fought to cut it to one and didn't really quit. And, you know, you end up with a one-point road loss to a ranked team despite a lot of things not really going your way, which... You know, moral victory, glass half full, whatever. I thought that is kind of telling in its own right. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know anything to add on to that. Look, they played an extremely high-level basketball game. It felt like a Sweet 16 game in November, um, and it almost came off a point short. Um, really, all it is to it. I mean, it's from a from a big picture picture standpoint, it's it's pretty good for your net. Um, You've got three big opportunities over the next three games, and you probably need to take advantage of at least one of them. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think this team's in a good enough position where Saturday, you look back at it at the end of the year as a learning experience instead of a detriment. Yeah, and then uh, I guess some other general observations. One, I forgot, a, I've only been in FedEx Forum three times, and I think two, one was for a concert, so only two basketball games. Uh, really good venue and really good environment. That place... I don't think it was a sellout, like, from the top no. Raptors or whatever, but it was really full, and it was loud, and they really get into that. I, I enjoyed being at that game. It was a really fun basketball game. Um, that court is atrocious. Yeah, it is. So that that's just really unnecessary. I don't understand that. I hated looking at it. And it was tongue-in-cheek, I think, a little bit, but I do wonder if that messes with opposing players a little bit. I had someone ask me that on Twitter, and I was like, look, man, I don't have that kind of medical degree. Uh, I don't really have one at all. I don't think it's a dumb idea, though. I mean, I guess guess it probably is a little different. It's probably maybe a little bit of the Boise State blue turf effect. Well, not necessarily that, but that that was literally the the Boise State players were blending into, into the field. Oh, but I, I just wonder, look, I mean, it's like when the high school basketball players would go shooting Jackson, the, the Coliseum down there at Jackson. They would talk about, like, depth perception and stuff. And what Ole Miss's people would play down there, they would talk about it. I do wonder if it just plays with it a little bit at first. 
Maybe so. I don't know. Maybe a little bit. I just hated looking at it. I think it's absolutely absurd and completely unnecessary. But you know, Memphis kind of has their own swag about them. Whatever. Like maybe I'm maybe I'm naive and I don't understand it, but. It's crazy they were able to get the Grizzlies pull out there like as soon as they did for the Lakers. Like, I don't understand how that works. I mean, I think it's just changing out floor tiles. I mean, if you look at a place like the Staples Center that gets enough traffic between Lakers, Clippers, Kings, the hockey team, and whatever the hell else goes on in that building, they can flip it pretty quick. I imagine- how do you do it? I guess is what, you know, I'm being ignorant here. How do you, can you just roll up the floor? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just tile pieces. I, I mean, I don't think it's like rolling up. I don't know this for a fact. I'm completely talking out of my ass here, as I do most times. I don't really care. But I worked for a wedding uh, like reception setup place when I was a sophomore in college up here. Um, shout out details of great people over there. Um, I think that's what it's called. Um, but we would, we, would, we would put together and take apart this little mini dance floor thing. And honestly, it was a gigantic pain in the ass to try to put together and put back like up. But I, th- I imagine like that where it's just like pieces. It's not tile, but like cut out pieces to where they just put it together. I imagine it's somewhat like that, whereas I don't think it's that hard. And they did have a good, what, four or five hours. I imagine they let the Lakers shoot around at wherever the Grizzlies practice and all of that. What I-, I don't know the exact details on that. But I imagine there's plenty of time. And from everything else, you don't really have to set up anything else. It's really just the floor. Yeah, it's just the floor. It's, just, that's cra- it's always been kind of crazy to me that they can just go from a basketball floor to an ice hockey rink like they do at some places as easily as they did. Yeah, no, I don't understand that at all. I don't understand taking the wood up and putting ice putting ice in there. I, I don't, I'm not going to. Well, I mean, the ice obviously is just under the wood, but you, you would think that would mess with, like, the floor during a basketball game. Um. Yeah, maybe they get cold easier. I really have no idea on that one. <laughs> uh, that's beyond my realm of expertise. I tried to half half-heartedly maybe explain the Grizzlies thing. That could be completely the opposite way they put the floor down. I don't really know. I'm just taking a guess. But, yeah, I mean, they got it ready. There was a Laker game that night. I don't know who won. What Did the Grizzlies or the Lakers win? Uh, the Lakers won by one. Ah, so Grizzlies, Grizzlies are competitive. They're a lot of fun to watch. Um, Brandon Clark, I think, has been the most pleasant surprise for him. You knew Jaw was going to be good. Jaron Jackson Jr., if he can ever play without fouling, kind of like K.J. Buffett. That's another thing I've kind of glossed over I'd like to hit on. K.J. Buffin went from a really productive first half where he had 13 points. He took a couple charges. He was grabbing man-sized rebounds. He was all over the place to where the game just got away from him like that. And I think I've, if you're alarmed by something, yeah, maybe Kermit Davis isn't completely happy with the way his front court played in some spots. But the game just getting away from Buffin as quickly as it was uh, is alarming, I think, because for all the foul trouble Ole Miss had in the first half, he wasn't really one of them. He picked up his second foul late with like a couple minutes left in the first half, and it's like, whatever, no big deal. Let him ride it out or play smart or let him stick it on the bench for two minutes. He's go in. But then he fouls three times in the first six minutes of the second half, and he's done. Like he went from having a really productive half slash game to that just getting away from him quickly. Now I think some of that Kermit was Kermit sometimes gets really pissed off at guys and if the game he doesn't if he doesn't think they're coming back to win or he doesn't think the game is necessarily like you know live or die must win consequence type deal. He just kinda does this thing where he lets guys foul out to where he can kinda look at him as they walk off the floor like, you know, what's up with that man type of deal. And I think he did that a little with Buffin. But man, that's a little bit alarming that you can go from like Hey, he had a pretty good first half to you know seven and a half minutes of game time later to oh he's disqualified. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't play well on defense. He didn't play smart on defense. He picked up some cheap and some dumb fouls. Well, he's getting ticky-tack um, kind of bullcrap fouls on the perimeter in that sense, which is not like he's not like if you're going to foul out and get your five fouls, he's not getting his money's worth. They're not smart yeah. fouls. They're completely useless. He's lunging after balls that he doesn't need to go after. Like, it's almost like a not a, quite a know the scouting report thing, but just kind of know where you are on the floor and be smarter than that. Yeah, look, the referees were not good on Saturday in my estimation, but I didn't think that was really why K.J. Buffin fouled out. I think Buffin did some things where he put himself in position where they're going to call foul. Um, I think they were a little bit too whistle-happy down low. Um, I think, you know, there were some straight-line drives that Ole Miss didn't get fouls called on them, what I think they probably should have. But I don't really think – I don't really give Buffin much benefit of the doubt. He kind of bought those, those five on himself. Yeah, and I, I, the game was interesting from an officiating standpoint because it wasn't well officiated. I would agree with that. But, like, there were some parts where they let him get really physical inside and then other parts, particularly on the perimeter, where it was officiated kind of softly. I didn't quite understand it. That's probably the worst way to officiate a game is to where at least be consistent one way or another. Like, this is either going to be kind of a physical bloodbath or it's not. And they kind of seemed like tiptoed into the idea of letting that happen because they did let him bang down there on the block, I thought for stretches of the game, but then they'd cause some ticky-tack stuff, and then they were really soft on the perimeter. I didn't think the referees had a very good handle or, uh, or grip on how the game, like, they didn't really let the game flow at all, I guess, is kind of what I'm getting at. Like, it seemed like the players were confused as to how this thing was being officiated as well. Yeah, um, and that, that's kind of, like you mentioned, the worst way to officiate a basketball game, but yeah, look, KJ didn't play well uh, from a defensive standpoint. He's still really good player on offense. He knocked down, I think, either one or two threes, which is big for him going forward. Um, I, like I said, they, they lost the basketball game to a number, the number fifteen in the team in the country by one point. Is what it is. Yeah, I just like that. To me, that would be the most alarming thing if you're Kermit Davis, like from an individual standpoint. Is one he also seems to get like. Like, if he gets a bad foul call on him, he lets that affect him for four or five more possessions, and maybe that turns into another foul or two. Like, he seems to get sometimes wrapped up in the officiating as well. Look, it's almost like he's 19 and still learning, you know, at the beginning of his sophomore season. But, man, like, they that, they can't afford to let that continue to be a trend. Like, he, he's got to play without fouling. Like, he has to be on the floor. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss can't afford for him to, his skill set to be on the bench with four fouls with eight minutes left in the game. It's just not a recipe that's conducive to success. And, David battled a little bit of this. He got better at it. So KJ's going to have to get better at it. This team wants to go to the level that I think they want to go to. I agree. I just I don't ever really remember Terrence games. And again, this is only one game. But like, there have been a couple times this year where you look up where KJ is like, oh, he's not in foul trouble. And then you look up literally four minutes of game action later, and you're like, oh, he's got four. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like it, it, it getting a out of. I guess getting away from him that quickly is alarming more so than just playing through foul trouble or being in foul trouble. Anyway, um, you know, Ole Miss lose 87-86. Really good atmosphere, really good game for them to play. They're going to go to Brooklyn next. They're going to play Penn State and either Oklahoma State or Syracuse. I don't think Syracuse is very good this year. I think Oklahoma State is okay. Um, but Ole Miss needs to – I mean, they kind of need to split these next four, right? Like, you don't want to turn this into a one-and-four stretch. Or I guess it would be what? One and three, one and excuse three. me. I would argue one and three wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, no, but either way, like, it's not going to kill them either way. But, like, if you can find a way to win two of these next three, I don't really know much about Butler. I'll kind of look into that in the next little bit. I know they play Missouri tonight. 
That's all I can tell you. So you're coming home. I mean, you, you you need to probably split up. I guess I mean splitting of these games up there would be ideal for Ole Miss, yeah, and then that's coming what up. You and, need to split up there, and then trying to win this game against Butler. But anyway, I think they're still going to be a good team in the mix for the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, throughout the whole year. Um, I thought that was good experience for him, but those were some of the things I learned about them on Saturday. C's got to be on the floor, you know, front court not great for most of the game. Back court didn't have a great game either, but you know, whatever. But I thought they did. I thought that was a very telling game where you learned some things about both teams. Uh, when when Memphis gets Wiseman back, holy cow, they could be pretty damn good. Yeah, they're they're national title good when when he comes back. Because I don't really know how you stop him and a two of both down low. So is I don't like obviously I know of Penny Hardaway's career. He seems like a cool dude, like just from like the interviews I see with him. But like he and Kermit seem to genuinely get along. Why do he and Rick Barnes not get along? I think him and Kermit maybe put on a little bit of a show. I don't actually think they actually get along that well. Um, frankly, Memphis and Tennessee got into a fight last year, and both folks made comments that the others didn't like, and that was about the extent of it. Um, but Rick that, and that, Rick and Penny are going to discontinue that series, whereas Kermit yeah. and and like. I mean, at least in public, they're very complimentary of each other. There was uh, our buddy Sudu put up a nice clip of uh, of Penny Hardaway, which was interesting because he seems like very much a players' coach talking about how Kermit Davis, like in the world of entitlement, really just doesn't let his guys half-ass anything. Like to me, they're very publicly cordial. Them calling each other up and scheduling this game seems they're somewhat friendly. You know, recruiting whatever behind the scenes that's fine. People forget Ole Miss interviewed Penny uh, to take the job when when they had the open. Yeah, I just find it interesting that, like, a guy, what, Kermit and Rick Barnes are probably around the same age? Like, I, I, Yeah, they're, yeah. So, he and Penny seem to get along well enough, and Rick Barnes and Penny do not. Maybe that's just a Memphis Well, I mean, t- it basically just stems from that fight that they had in Memphis last year where, uh, I mean, it, that's really what it came down to. Both I, coaches made comments that the other didn't like, and they're probably just not going to play anymore because of it. I guess, but to me, even when they made those comments, I was like, this certainly can't stem from one game incident. I'm just guessing here, reading the tea leaves. It seemed like, to me, just something maybe was a bit more built up. Maybe I'm wrong. But, like, to me, when I watched that post-game stuff from last year, I was like, these guys seemed to not like each other before they came into this game. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I think Barnes might not approve of a lot of the things that Penny does from a recruiting standpoint, but that's another story. Anyway, so, I don't know. That was about all the thoughts I had on that. Fun basketball game, cool environment. I enjoyed it. It was uh, not always the prettiest game to watch, but it was fun. Crowd was in. Now we get to talk about a miserable football game. Yes, I I guess that's where we have to go next. The Egg Bowl is this week. I don't know, uh, contrary to popular belief, it is still played. It is going to be played on national television. Um, Well, I was was curious last week uh, if Arkansas is actually going to go play in Death Valley. And if they did, I thought maybe the Egg Bowl would get canceled. But it was Arkansas did in fact show up in Baton Rouge on Saturday. Is there a, is there a way to uh, is there a way to quit yourself well in a fifteen I know fifty two to thirteen loss? Because I was I drove to Monroe. They kind of did, yeah. No, I drove to Monroe to see uh, MC after the Memphis game. So I was on the road on Saturday night until about eight thirty or nine, and that game was on radio. Like, I mean, what it was seven six for a while. Like it wasn't for not yeah. having a new coach and being a complete dumpster fire. It wasn't the worst performance Arkansas could put together. I'm not being hot takeish. I thought oh, it was okay. God. They played Missouri on Friday, and you talk about two teams that have quit. Yeah, let's we'll hold that thought. Uh, one before we get into football, we'll uh, take a break. It is uh. Remind you to go by LBs. Uh, 
I don't know if Greg sells turkeys. I'll ask him, but uh, it's uh, grilling season. Uh, go go see LB's University Avenue, across from Kroger. Uh, maybe Greg's got some cool like turkey jerky recipe. I don't know. I'll probably have him on this week to let him tell you about some Thanksgiving stuff. But best place in Oxford to go get meat. Uh, go in, get a plate lunch, and then decide what's for dinner. Or help let Greg help you decide what's for dinner. They got steaks, custom cuts, daily specials, plate lunches, all kinds of sides. Uh, maybe go in and get some jalapeno poppers and spice up your Thanksgiving a little bit. But go see Greg, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Uh, anyway, Egg Bowl is back. Uh, I know the kind of the hot take aside from the game this year is people complaining about liking it on Thanksgiving, hating it on Thanksgiving. I don't really have a strong opinion one way or another. Like I guess from a working perspective, I'd prefer not to work on Thanksgiving. But I mean, my family's in Jackson. Like it's not that bad of a drive either way. I don't really have a strong opinion on it being. So on you Thanksgiving have like lunch with the family and then leave at like two o'clock. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've kind of gotten in the routine of doing. So I'll leave two ish, I guess. Get up to state four, four thirty, something like that. Uh, but people seem to have very strong opinions on that. I don't really care. I, 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 it, it doesn't bother me a ton either way. Um, I think from a fan perspective, it, it, you would prefer it to not be on Thursday. Look, I mean, you're going to have to work one way or the other. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm with you. I don't really have a strong opinion uh, one way or the other. But I, I don't know. I mean, I get it's the Internet. People have opinions. I would, if given the choice, prefer it played on Saturday. But uh, like you said, I mean, I'm not overly uh, worried about it. So refresh my memory here. The 2014 Egg Bowl, which some argue is the biggest Egg Bowl ever, was the Saturday after. But the was the 15 on Saturday or was that Thursday night? I don't remember. It, it, was, uh, it was Saturday. No, 15 was Saturday. 16 was Saturday. The first Thursday was 17. Uh, they randomly played on Thanksgiving in 2013, um, but 2017 and 2018 were the first Thursday games, except for 13 in a while. Yeah, since like Eli's senior year. Yeah, it was Eli in 03. Uh, they played on Thanksgiving. They didn't play until 13 on Thanksgiving, and then the last two years have been on Thanksgiving. These are two teams, and I guess we'll kind of get in the general storylines today and just kind of, I guess, kind of gloss gloss over that. But 10,000-foot view... Um, I don't know if there's. I mean, Haydad swears there's state people that don't want them to win this game, and maybe if they get killed, which I don't necessarily see this happening. But I mean, if Ole Miss goes in there and beats the hell out of them, is that really enough to where Joe Moorhead doesn't get another year? Yeah, I think. I think if you made me bet, if Mississippi State loses on Thursday, I think he's fired. Let me rephrase. I think he's not the football coach at Mississippi State next year if he loses on Thursday. Well, I guess they had the Shiana the Rutgers. At Rutgers can't yeah. do anything right. They they didn't. Something fell through with that Shiano deal. Um, I would disagree. I'm not necessarily sure if he loses, but Haydad thinks and if it's like a it's if it's like a Sylvester Croom 08 type of deal, maybe not 45 nothing degree. But if Ole Miss goes and blows them out, that may not be enough. Whereas a close loss, he thinks he's back. He thinks style points matter here. They might. I I just. I think that Mississippi State uh, might realize that this bet is not going to work out for whatever reason. Um, and I think when you realize that it's not going to work out, you make a move that you're fiscally able to. Are they fiscally able to? I have no idea about Moorhead's buyout. Uh, his, buyout looks, his buyout looks a lot like Luke's talent, but that buyout not near as much. I think whereas Ole Miss literally probably couldn't, 
uh, fire loose, even if they wanted to. I think Mississippi State would take a hit from a financial standpoint doing it, but I think they could get it done. I'm not convinced Cohen pulls the trigger after eight and five, five it's and seven. It's a bad look for Cohen to fire him because you don't look like you're hiring good coaches at that point. I think he's back next year unless he leaves on his own or unless, like Hey Dad says, apparently he's convinced if it's like 35-10 or something, they might. But anyway, weird Egg Bowl uh, for Ole Miss. I guess it's really Ole Miss's last shot to kind of generate, like show the like the the positive momentum they claim they have, and them keep saying they're close to actually show it in the form of a win. Like this seems to be their best shot. Because what's interesting to me, and I think maybe what I haven't given enough credence to, is that while we were skeptical about the Plumlee thing, and then them rotating the two quarterbacks in a completely nonsensical way, it's interesting. Plumlee's kind of insertion in the offense came against came when the schedule dramatically stiffened. Like, I always wonder, what would Plumlee do against Cal, and what would Plumlee have done in a full game against Memphis? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think they'd be Cal. You could have probably taught me into Memphis. Why would they not beat Cal, though? He marched it up on the field on him twice. I know different circumstances. Cal playing a little bit pretty event defense, but like... Yeah, that Cal secondary is extremely good. I think they could have committed a lot of guys to the box, um, stop the run. Look at Boston, that is Matt Corral played a pretty good first half outside of some Eric throws at the end. He had a bad That's third quarter. Was, yeah. Um, so, it's, I, I don't think you can beat Cal. Now, I'll listen to Memphis um, just from... They didn't block anybody, so maybe he's able to outrun some dude. Yeah, anyway, that's not really the point. I just kind of say all that to say this is kind of their last shot to actually show this improvement they've claimed they made. I think it's evident because they've been in every, pretty much every game they've played in to some degree to actually show it in the form of a win. Uh, do you think, and, and I don't mean to cut you off here, do you think the way they play football games from a running the football perspective and bleeding the clock and that type thing, do you think that is conducive to why they're in as many football games as they are? I mean, look, they're obviously improving, but I think the way they play football games is another reason why the scoreboard is as close to it is. And I'm kind of pointing to, like, Auburn for that. Yeah, I think that's probably somewhat. But to be fair, Auburn, they did so little offensively, they didn't really bleed the clock. Auburn had more time of possession. And sure. in, in the world of college football where the clock stops anytime somebody sneezes, it's harder to play that kind of slow tempo as well. I think some of that's too, but honestly, I, I think more so than anything, them being in most every game is because the defense is playing so much better. Oh, yeah, the defense is playing as well as they have in, in years since they went to the Sugar Bowl. And, um, yeah. Not to pat myself on the back here, but I did kind of call it after the Auburn thing where it seemed very evident that Plumlee was the direction they're going in. I thought Plumlee would run for a bunch of yards and a couple of touchdowns against State, and they'd spend the entire offseason selling the living hell out of it. To my credit, I mean, uh, to my detriment, I wasn't exactly right because this happened a little bit early because he ran for 200-something yards and four touchdowns on LSU. But, again, if they, you know, if he does kind of the same thing, tears up State's run defense and say they win the game, this is what you're going to hear about the entire offseason. Now, yeah, does it work long term? I don't know. I think there's better than a chance that happens. I think there's a good chance that happens. Yeah, um, they're not exactly great on defense. And I think State's offensive line is not great. Plus, Ole Miss has got a pretty good defensive line if everybody's healthy on Saturday or on Thursday. Yeah, so I, I guess I'll flip back over to this side of it again for a second. Um, I didn't watch any of State games on Saturday, but I saw it was 21-7 at halftime, and, and people in Haydad's Twitter mentions were, Fairly upset with how the game gone. They won the game 45-7, but still did not seem satisfied. No, I mean, 
I don't think there's much they can do to satisfy them. But, no, the State did not play extremely well in the first half. They were up 21-7 to at halftime. Tommy Stevens did not play well in the first half. Why are they playing um, him? Man, look, I, I don't think Schrader's as good as you do. Uh, no, it's, 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 it's not that. well when he got his opportunities late or in the last two games. It's not as much about that as to where I don't. Is the difference very that big? And Tommy Stevens is a grad transfer, and Schrader's a freshman. And like, if, if you have any like, just even thought that he might be what you're going to go with going forward, what do you gain by playing Stevens? Does he really give you that much better of a chance to win? He tore up a terrible Arkansas I, team. I, mean, I don't think that he's hurting the football team as currently constructed by playing Tommy Stevens either. I mean, they didn't score in the second half when Alabama was literally doing everything but screaming from the sidelines, warm up the bus, we'll stand in line. Like, they were doing everything to get out of that stadium and couldn't score. Maybe so. I'm not a big believer in Derek Schrader either. Either way, I don't know enough about State. I haven't watched him a ton. I find that surprising. Um, What's interesting to me, I think Ole Miss opened as a one-point favorite. Is that correct? Oh, so the line's all over the place. Like, the app I use, it tells me lines currently has Mississippi State minus three. And then Vegas Insider has Ole Miss minus one. So, I have no clue. Oh, joy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's see. This app is now Mississippi State minus two and a half, I see. Either yeah, way. Okay. Um, we'll see, but if you look at, if you Google college football betting lines and you just hit it, it's Ole Miss minus one. And I don't. Either way, it's about a field goal either way. I, I what, what I don't understand from this is, one, how interested is State? I know they're going to get they're a better defense when they're at full strength. I don't know how much better. Run defense hasn't been great. Their offensive line hasn't been great. Ole Miss has a pretty good defensive line. Like, if State moves the football up and down on Ole Miss, is it Stevens just torching the secondary? How are they moving the, the ball on Ole Miss consistently? I'm just asking. I'm not, like, pointing. No. Um, Colin Hill has a, has a good game. I mean, he's a really good good player. Um, they figure out a way to run the football against Ole Miss. I think that's the, their recipe for success. But, I mean, Sands, Missouri, Ole Miss has been pretty good against the run most of the year. Sure. Um, I would argue that they haven't played as running back. That, uh, well, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is as good as, as, how, as Colin Hill. But, um, I don't know. I, I think that's their recipe for success is, is Colin Hill gets loose and, and makes some plays. Meanwhile, I think Ole Miss is going to be in Stevens' lap all night from a, from a passing perspective. Well, on the flip side of that, Ole Miss can't really throw. State secondary, no. okay. State's run defense has not been very good for the most part. I don't have the numbers pulled up in front of me. Like, like this is going to be an interesting game from Rich Rodriguez's standpoint because if they can get plumbly loose, like this, this, I've, one of the things I wrote about LSU is this offense is so big play reliant that it's kind of feast or famine. And so it's like, it, to me, it maybe comes down to a matter if they get loose, Pullman gets loose a, a time or two early in the game and busts a touchdown or something, Ole Miss might be smooth sailing. Towards he gets blown up and they go three and out, three and out, three and out, three times before, you know, halfway through the first quarter, they could be in some serious trouble. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that uh, either of those is, is – uh, I think both of those statements are accurate. So. I mean, what's more likely? Plumlee gets stuffed because State puts a bunch of commits a bunch of stu- uh, commits a bunch of people in the box, or he runs wild. What's more likely? Uh, he runs wild. I guess so. I mean, it's 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 an interest. Ole Miss is an interesting team that's kind of hard to prognosticate in the sense that their offense relies so much on one player busting big plays, based, essentially by himself. I mean. 
wouldn't it be fair to say at this point, Ole Miss, like, if they're going to have success in this game, they're going to have to get someone else involved in the running game other than other than Plumlee. Like, you're going to have to have a big game from Ely and or Phillips or Connor or both or two of the three to where they're not just solely focused on Plumlee. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, yeah, Plumlee or uh, Ely, Phillips, somebody's got to uh, – Connor, somebody's got to play well besides Plumlee. But I think if they do, Ole Miss's offense has a, has a chance for success. Uh, because State's not great against the run. Uh, so, look, man, you could tell me a, a, a load of different things happen on Thursday, and I, I, I'm not going to probably disbelieve you. I, I think anything within the realm of 14 to 17 points, either way, is possible. Yeah, and sometimes I struggle to get a feel for the game. Like, it's interesting. Like, last year I knew there was zero chance Ole Miss was scoring on that state defense, and I knew State would probably win. And I think I said before last year, like, 27-6 or 27-3 in that sense. And then in 17, I didn't think Ole Miss would win, but it was kind of a weird feeling going into that game. That I, For whatever reason, like, if you put gun to my head, like, I would actually lean Ole Miss here. And maybe it's because I haven't watched enough state, but to me, from the little I've watched, they seem disinterested and they seem dysfunctional offensively, and they don't have a good enough run defense for to kind of make Ole Miss throw it. And so that's what I would kind of give the edge to Ole Miss in the game. For whatever reason, I think Ole Miss is going to win. Um, why am I wrong? Uh, What's I mean, the counter argument? It's not like I've watched you know, a ton of state either. I think that Mississippi State could run the football good enough. Willie Gay's going to be back for this one. He's a dynamic defensive player. Um, I think maybe he's, he's you know, fast enough to stay with Plumlee and Spine and do different types of things on the defensive side of the football where it you know, hampers Ole Miss's ability to run the football. But I'm with you. If I had to pick today or a gun to my head on Thursday, I think I'd pick Ole Miss, but I think I've also got my will written too. Um, I think there's just an area where both teams win this football game. Um, you know, it's, it's, this, this game's always been kind of nutty, and I expect it probably will be on Thursday night too. Yeah, I guess the way Ole Miss loses this game is, one, they're, the, way, the way they run the ball, they're not really built to go that fast or play from behind. So, like, this is a game if State, like, say Hill busts an early touchdown, State maybe gets up 10 nothing, and this is just kind of a Rich Rodriguez pees down his leg type of game. I mean, that's kind of, to me, the scenario where Ole Miss loses. I mean, if they get off to a halfway competent start offensively, I think they're going to have a really good chance to win. Oh, yeah. I think, I think you might be able to tell who's going to win the football game by the end of the first quarter. Yeah, because another thing that would that would, that would – Shy, let me shy away. Or I, I don't know what I'm saying here. Another reason why, if I was like, again, gun to my head, I had to pick the right team. Uh, one of the reasons that would I would shy away from state is it seems like at times this year that team, like I watched some of the Tennessee game. Uh, I'm trying to think. I watched a little bit of Auburn on the way back from Ole Miss playing in Alabama. Some pieces of it, but it seems like sometimes when stuff kind of unravels for them, they tend to pack it in. Like, is there a world where Ole Miss gets up on them early and State just kind of waves the white flag and they kind of go into a shell? Oh, yeah. Uh, State has laid down a time this year. So, Ole Miss pops up 17 to nothing in the first quarter. You're not going to surprise me if Mississippi State lays down. That's why I think it's important for Ole Miss to get off to a fast start. If State gets off to a fast start, obviously, unless you're playing your rival, you want to win. Um, but there has been times this year when Mississippi State didn't look like they were actually giving the, uh, the most effort in the world. Well, I think that's part of the outside of everything else with more added results aside. Uh, some of the things that I hear Haydad say, it seems like some of the gripe with them is they seem like a soft football team. 
Yeah, I don't necessarily think that's inaccurate. I mean, soft and undisciplined seems like a pretty poor combo. Yeah, I think that's probably how I'd label Mississippi State at times this year. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is, I guess. But it's, uh, yeah, there, there's been times where I watched Mississippi State play football and I didn't think they were, uh, I didn't think they were actually giving the best effort that they could. What's the Monday morning press or what's the Monday morning program forecast if each team wins? Like it's interesting to me. State six and six keeps their bowl streak alive, all that. But like, what do you? I guess if you're winning this game, if you're state, what are you jacked up about after? Uh, I mean, you're going to a bowl game for the what a billionth year in a row. You beat Ole Miss, and that really matters. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you can sell six and six. I guess. Um, I don't know. It's not a ton from a realistic standpoint, but um, going to a bowl game is, is good. They'll go play in Birmingham, and I guess probably play Memphis uh, or Cincinnati, whoever loses the AAC title game. But, I mean, there, there's not – whoever wins this game is not going to be able to sell a whole lot either. Flip side, if you're Ole Miss and you win this game, like what, what's the what's the Monday morning forecast or Friday morning? Oh, they'll do the the Plumley ran from 280 yards. We're excited to have the egg back in Oxford. Uh, Did we know, mention we'll, we have a bunch build, of freshmen? Is what they said. Yeah, a bunch of freshmen building towards new things, building towards great things. Can't wait to get started back in the spring because I don't think they make a bowl game at five and seven at this point. Um, so. I, there's not going to be a lot to sell at whoever wins this football game besides the fact that you beat your rival. I do, as much as I, I I make fun of that sometimes. I do think there is something credence to that. Like Ole Miss, if they find some semblance of balance and some semblance of passing game, the young core they kind of have offensively has potential to be special. I mean, with a kid with a skill set like Plumley and a skill set like Ely, and presumably some of these kids on the offensive line are going to get a little better, if you find some way to just pull your pull your passing game out of the dumpster fire and just be somewhat competent, you got a shot to be pretty special, like, or, or have a pretty, something special in the offensive backfield, so like, as much as I make fun of them and have, like, kind of called my shot in terms of them, this is being what they sell if they do win the Egg Bowl, there's some credence to it. Yeah, sure. Uh, look, that, or Thursday night matters. Like, I, I don't I don't like people pretending that Beating Mississippi State is right. Well, I mean, you beat Mississippi State, it matters more than any other game on the schedule. That's how rivalries work. Um, is there probably a little bit more over-importance put on it? Sure. But, I mean, in the same vein, it is a rivalry in college football. You would much prefer to win that than lose it. I think that, it's, you know, if Ole Miss sells a win, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, I, I don't know. But the, the nucleus that you mentioned on offense is legitimate if they can add a passing attack to it. There are some positive things going on inside that program, especially if you're able to get a win over Mississippi State. You can sell that in the offseason. I guess you can sell it in recruiting, uh, although I don't really buy that. But, but um, it, it's a 4-7 and seven team going to play a 5-16 and 16 at the end of the day. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you would much prefer to win this game than to lose it. I can assure you that. Yeah, I, I agree with that since I don't think – 17, 18-year-old kids pay attention to single-game results as much, like as far as the general trends with your program. Um, I, I think the argument about the overplayed and the overhyped thing more stems from these two schools that are already at a disadvantage in kind of the runs of the SEC seem to be way more concerned with one another and making sure the other one stays in mediocrity than, you know, actually being nationally relevant in any aspect. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. 
I mean, if, if 2014 and 2015 and the rise and fall of these two programs and how it happened with the NCAA stuff and blah, blah, blah and all that, if there's like, I mean, I don't see how you don't look at that and be like, hey, like, maybe these two schools should stop worrying about so much being so obsessive over each other and actually just try to be nationally relevant some to some degree. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, uh, if there's another third quarter fight, stay the hell away from Mac Brown. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> Mac Brown's a noted bad boy, so just just is what it is. Don't don't go mess with him. Um, but yeah. So anyway, uh, is there going to be another fight? I think it's toned down enough. I think no. I think they chill out this year. I think this is the first year with no fight. I would actually like to go back and look at the tape and see what Mac Brown did in the fight last year and see if I can maybe pump up his street wait, a little more. Wait, Mac Brown actually did something in the fight last year? No, I don't know. I haven't looked at the tape. I'll oh, have to okay. Get the, I, thought, uh, I thought this was like a story that I missed or something. No, 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 no. I've just I, I've spent all year hyping him up as you know, kind of the personal foul master. If there's a punter in this conference that likely to have maybe have like a blade in his sock, it's him. Um, <laughs> but I don't. I'll have to go look at the all twenty-two and see if he did anything in that fight last year. But yeah, I don't think there's any fight. I think this will be chilled out. I think generally, you talk about old Mrs. fan base being apathetic. I think there's some apathy on the other side, too. Seems like they're stuck with Moorhead either way, barring some ridiculous result or him leaving on his own. I mean, I guess there is a kind of world where they fire him, but like, this isn't changing anything barring State getting beat very badly. And obviously, I guess if you're a, a fan of Mississippi State, you wouldn't necessarily want to root for that. Like, that'd be a weird thing to root for. No, I don't. I don't never understand rooting for your rivals so you can get your head football coach. Right? Like if, if these people live in the state, it's uh, you, you would always prefer to win the egg ball if you have a rooting interest in it. Um, and like you said, Mississippi State is, is probably not fired. Well, I say that. No, I, I would have disagree there. I think if Mississippi State loses, they make a change. Uh, so I guess maybe if you think it's that important to make a change with your football program, you believe that's what the direction they would go. But I guess I somewhat get it, but still, at the end of the day, it is a rivalry football game. I would assume you'd prefer to rather win it than lose it. I just think even in this modern-day age of like buyouts piling up upon buyouts, in order to not see a third season, you've got to be a complete and utter catastrophe like Chad Morris-esque, which is why I think he sees a third year You know, after 8-5, and 5-7. Five, five and seven. I just think yeah. something would have but to be Is there be any alarming. team in the country besides Arkansas that's underachieved more than them if they go 8-5 and 5-7? Five and five and um, because I mean, let's not pretend like that eight five was good last year. I mean, no, but at the same time, I don't think that's a catastrophic enough level to where you axe him after two years. Now, is there an argument that hey, if you're going to do it and you know he's not the guy, go ahead and do it now? Sure, but strictly results wise, I wouldn't necessarily see it. Um, I don't know. Anyway, we'll get into that some more on Wednesday. Uh, before we kind of get into maybe some college, it was kind of a crappy slate of college football, but some good NFL. We'll get to that and then get out of here. But uh, podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. Best place in Oxford, state of Mississippi in general, to get meat. Uh, maybe go get some uh, stuff to throw on the grill either for Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving. Maybe you got family in town Wednesday and the Friday after. A lot of good football on, some college hoops on. Go to LB's, maybe pick up a plate lunch, decide what's for dinner, and throw something on the grill with some sports on as the weather kind of gets cold outside anyway university avenue cross from Kroger. happy about our partnership with lbs uh hopefully have greg back on the podcast soon we'll have the results of the lbs pick them on wednesday show i guess really only a couple more weeks of that we can continue with nfl but uh kind of winding down there but anyway university avenue 
across from Kroger. LB's meets. Um, crappy slate of college games, it seemed like. I was covering the basketball games. I, I really I didn't watch hardly any college football over the weekend. Uh, Oregon kind of played themselves out of a game. Uh, man, Herb Edwards just kind of keeps beating good teams. Yeah, kind of. Uh, he doesn't do much else besides these good teams, but he has that master. They play to the level of their opponent a lot. I know that's an old lazy cliche, but it seems like Herman Edwards epitomized that. They don't really blow anyone out, but like anytime they get a good team, they play hard and they play well. Uh, so Oregon's done. But on the flip yep. side, uh, Utah's been kind of the one flying under the radar here. They look pretty good. Yeah, they're fine. I don't think they have enough quality wins to get in, though. Is going to be their problem, man. If it comes down to it, though, and they're argue, they're up against conference champion Oklahoma and non-conference champion up against Alabama, they got as good a shot as anyone. I would argue they don't have as good of a shot as, as Oklahoma, um, frankly, because why? Why would like what? What? What are their? Why would their resume be better than Oklahoma? I could certainly listen to Alabama. Um, I don't think Alabama deserves to be anywhere near the playoff. But I, I don't think that their resume against Oklahoma stands up very much. That's fair. I mean, I'm not saying they would get the nod over them. I think they'd have a case. And then, obviously, I, I think they're going to have a – I mean, it, Oregon's still getting into the Pac-12 title game, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've like, already clinched that, actually. I think it's already set as Utah-Oregon. Obviously, I think – Well, no, Utah has to beat Colorado this weekend, but they will. Okay, so I think that uh, – I think that they would – they would have a pretty solid case. Like, they would – there's a pretty solid chance where they would beat Oregon, and then I think, I mean, with the way Oklahoma's playing right now, they're not really beating, like, they haven't played good football in about a month and a half. Like, if there's a rematch with Baylor or whoever they're going to play in the Big 12 title. There will be. That, that's locked in. I wouldn't rule that out as Oklahoma, like, a locked-in winning. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if that does happen, I don't think Utah's resume can stand versus Oklahoma. Yeah, Ohio State seems really good. Penn State seemed a little overhyped. Yeah, Ohio State didn't play well. Um, they won by double digits. So we're on a crash course for LSU, Ohio State, in in New Orleans. So someone's probably going to get stabbed. Oh God, yeah, that would. Uh, so the playoff is not set, set, but it seems to be fairly set. Like you're going to have LSU, you're going to have Ohio State, you're going to have Clemson, and then you're probably going to have Utah or Oklahoma, right? Or Alabama, but yeah. Okay, how about a one-loss Baylor if they beat Oklahoma and their only losses to Oklahoma? I think the only way Baylor can get in is they beat Oklahoma, Oregon beat Utah, Auburn beat Alabama. I don't know, man. They tend to value conference championships when they want to. And if you have a one-loss Baylor who's only lost to Oklahoma and a conference champion and a non-conference champion Alabama, and I hate to play the injury thing here, but with Mac Jones, they're going to they're gonna put Alabama in over Baylor? I mean, should they? I know you know. If they have an excuse to, I, I think they will. Like, I think if they can put Alabama and LSU on the field in Georgia, I think they'll do it. Man, people, I'm sure people would react very rationally, Danny Cannell included, if uh, three SEC teams <laughs> got in. But, I'm just saying, like, these are people, and that's going to get eyeballs. And, I mean, it's, it's Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. Yeah, I think that I think they, if they can make that happen. They're going to make it happen. I'm not going to beat my chest and do this again, but I just I, I don't find college football that appealing. The NFL give it to me eight days out of seven. Like this has been a very boring college football season, in my opinion, out of a sport that really doesn't interest me all that greatly anyway. Yeah, this one's not been as good as, as, as previous years, frankly, because there's two teams that are just better than everybody else. 
and then there's Clemson, and then there's Alabama, and then there's everybody else. Well, it's in and out. Like, is is I, I know the sports never had parity, and I'm not like pointing out something that's not like some new revelation. But like nowadays, you're seeing two ranked teams play each other, and it being a three score line, and then uh, the the lower ranked team being blown out. Like games that are supposed to be close are not close anymore. Yeah, I mean that, that's just kind of how it's been this year. Um, not a ton of parity this year. I mean, we're headed towards Ohio State, LSU, like. You could tell that we were headed towards Clemson, uh, Alabama, pre, you know, the previous year. I wouldn't rule out Clemson though. Once they Clemson, somebody's going to get screwed having to play Clemson in the semifinal. Uh, cause well, I'm not going to say screw. Well, I mean, you got to have a two seed. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Right. I did. I think Clemson. I don't know. I don't think we've seen Clemson to their credit. They've consistently in the last, what, three, four weeks just kind of bowled over all the terrible teams they played. I think they're bored. I'm just, I don't think we know how good they are. I, yeah, like, well, one we'll way find another. out when they roll out to Arizona and play Ohio State. Exactly. So, anyway, uh, yeah, that was kind of about it on the college football front. Oh, I, I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt. Holy cow, they're going to go 7-5. and five. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, they certainly are. He's done a good job. Not a real big fan of his, but uh, he, he's done a pretty good job from that from for that team. I mean, my God, man! If you beat Utah or uh, Georgia State and BYU like you were supposed to, you're not a three. Yeah, I mean, you went from and this is such a classic case of like college football being an irrational week to week thing, where I think fan bases are given a little too much influence. Obviously, when you have big time fans giving money, that's kind of the case. But you went from him talking about then talking about is he going to make it through the year to hey, this guy could win SEC Coach of the Year if it wasn't for Ed Orgeron. Yeah, I would argue he probably should uh, if it wasn't for Wardron. So, yeah, he's done a heck of a job. Uh, Missouri stinks, though. Yeah, talk about a fall off. They uh, they're awful. They got fired, dude. I don't think they're going to. I mean, they, they already, may not. They may not, but they should. They already gave him the dreaded vote of confidence. I'm pretty well, sure they, last they week. Take it back and throw it in the garbage. Well, you know, the thing that everyone loves to point out is that the vote of confidence actually means you're going to fire him. Um, well, they should do that because he's atrocious. Yeah, they uh they've really really disappointed. They had a cake schedule. There was really no reason for them to go anything okay. less than nine and three. If you're them, why not just take the bowl ban at this point? Why not just say, hey, we accept that we're we're ineligible for a bowl game? Like, are you really going to chance getting one of those for the Liberty Bowl? Yeah, I think that's one of those things where like seniors and all that upper class and all that. Y'all yeah. shouldn't have gone six and five. True. They're going to go 7-5. and five. They're like, no shot they're losing to Arkansas. You no, no, think. never mind. They shouldn't go 5-6. and six. They're 5-6, and six, so they're going to go 6-6. Six and six. Oh, maybe just throw the Arkansas game. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's really about it. Like, I, I saw a crowd shot, and I'm, I'm, I, I hate crowd shaming in a day and age where the in-home experience is way better and people just aren't going to games. But that Tennessee ETSU crowd shot was uh, something to behold. Oh, Vanderbilt? Yeah, what did I say? Tennessee? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Vandy. Vandy's ho- last yeah. home Vandy's home game. I didn't see it, but I figured there was nobody there. It was the it was it was it was jaw dropping. I mean, I'm, we're, you're talking. You're, I'm looking at that photo and I'm thinking, no hyperbole. Well, are there? Text si- it to me because I'm kind of interested now. Are there 600 people there? <laughs> no, I'm se- I'm serious. Well, you text it to me. Hold on, I'm trying to find it. Hold on. Adam Sparks, friend of the program, put it out there. <laughs> And he said, "I haven't done crowd shots in a while because I'm not. I feel like it's piling on, but like, I mean, it's uh, it it's rough. Let's see. I mean, that's right for the kickoff. 
It is kind of sad with senior days and stuff like that. Yeah, those kids don't deserve that. No, I mean, those dudes did go to a bowl game last year. Oh, my God. Yeah, I told you. Like, it's worse than anything you could ever imagine. I mean, that, that if you told me there's 250 people on the far stands over there, I would be like, okay, man, I demand a recount. It might be 200. Um, yeah, I'd argue, I'd argue about 250 or so. Yeah, that, that seems about right. So, I mean, it ain't like this side. The, the close side is, is that crowded either. No. So that's your uh, depressing college football thought to end on. Pretty good slate of NFL games. Uh, the games that didn't actually turn out to be that great, but there were some interesting matchups, I guess, with the highlights. Jameis Winston's the most exciting player in the NFL. I mean, their first two drives of that game, he threw a pick and threw a 75-yard touchdown to where he dropped one of the most like ridiculous anticipatory passes over the middle I've seen Are in a while. Are they going to extend them? I don't know. I mean, he's... He's he had he's had eight three hundred yard games. He's on pace to average three touchdowns and two picks a game. I mean, he's going to throw for forty five hundred yards with averaging two interceptions a game. I don't know what you and do. It's never and it's never three touchdowns and two picks. It's like five touchdowns and zero picks, and then like zero touchdowns and four picks. I don't know what you do. I mean, yesterday was the classic Jameis Winston. He threw I think three or four touchdowns, two picks, four hundred something yards, like. His receivers are monsters. I just don't know how, like, can you actually win with that with him turning the ball over that clip? I lean no, but, like, I don't know what you do. He's He does some things that's really, I mean, he's the most exciting player. You don't know if he's going to throw it to his team, the other team, in the stands. You don't know if he's going to fumble it. You don't know if he's, like, every single time he drops back, it's literally just everything's on the table, and it's kind of awesome. Um, I don't know what you do with that. Uh... San Francisco's the best team in the NFC. The Saints, I'm not saying they should be worried, but, like, Breeze doesn't look like his wing is still the exact same, uh, and they almost lost to Carolina, who was in a free fall coming into the game. I think, Yeah, I think they're a little bit fraudulent. I think their two worst games is when they've gone out west. I don't know how much that plays into it. The defense hasn't been good against opponents, and the offense has been way too feast or famine. It doesn't know really... he's not playing well that doesn't get talked about a lot right now. Now, look, he was under a lot of pressure last night. Aaron Rodgers is not exactly lighting it up right now. I don't necessarily understand their scheme, though. Like, it's it's like Rodgers is at his best when he kind of ad-libs and pulls stuff out of his butt. And, like, I think there's a way to blend that and mix it into what their Matt LaFleur is trying to do. But it seems like they've taken too much of that away from him. To where, you, like, Rodgers doesn't have those three or four throws a game where he's on the run, and you can tell this is not a designed play where you're just like, holy cow, how did he just do that? It seems like that part's been taken away from him too much. They don't let him, like, to me, if you're down 14 nothing, like, this happened in the in the Chargers game and last night. When you're down 14 nothing, like, I know Aaron Jones is having a good year running the ball, but to hell with that, just let Rodgers go do some scoreyard bullshit, for the lack of a better phrase. Like, McCarthy, I think, did that too much, and I think it's because he and Aaron didn't get along, and finally he just let Aaron win. But to me, they're not doing enough of that. I don't get their offensive scheme, to be honest. Um, I think they're good, but I wouldn't trust them in the playoffs in the slightest. No, no. um, No, I don't think they can win a playoff game unless they're playing like the Vikings or something. Um, Seattle rolls into Lambeau and Godspeed. Yeah, Yeah. Along those lines, the Eagles are a mess. Yeah, and they're probably still going to win that division. Yeah, I'm, I'm, man, at this point, with the, as bad as the receivers and offensive line are for Philadelphia, I'm still going to give the edge to Dak and the Cowboys. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think Dallas is a better team, but go look at the schedule. 
yeah, if Philly's got the easier way, I agree. Um, Dallas has the tiebreaker right now. I guess that could change when they play again. But, yeah, I, I they're not good. Their receivers are awful. Wentz has not looked very good. But I think some of it is him. He's taking a beating. Yeah, I was. I don't think Wentz is as bad as he's played. Yeah, I think that's accurate for sure. I don't think he's been good either, though. But also, his receivers are just atrocious. Um, somehow, Pittsburgh is six and five. The we we're set up for everyone loves to make fun of that first uh, one o'clock ESPN Monday Night Football crew playoff game where the teams seem to be bad and the quarterbacks are usually bad. We are headed for a peak matchup of that because the, yeah, yeah, you have yeah, be good. the Raiders. Add probably the biggest like crap the bed game of the of the whole weekend going to the Jets and just getting absolutely destroyed because they went from the driver's seat of having that last playoff spot to um to really just kind of it being a a very average mosh pit of Indy the Titans somehow the Steelers even though they're teetering between benching their second string for their third string the Raiders and the Texans if they don't win the division. Like it's it's we're headed for a who the hell is this quarterback bowl and a pile of mediocrity. Like I, I don't know who's winning that last spot. I still think it's Oakland. And the team above them in the first wild card Buffalo is not good either. Yeah. Um I think Buffalo's got so yeah, that wild card's gonna gonna be uh, somewhat atrocious. It's gonna be like nineteen to twelve or something like that. It'll probably be unwatchable and there will probably be Seven automatic first down flies. Buffalo is eight and three, and they're a seven point underdog at Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. They're Jesus. eight and three. Jesus, I know. All you got to do is look at their wins. It's 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 awful. Um, but yeah, I mean the AFC is kind of a pile of crap. We got a good Monday night game night between the Rams and the uh, and the Ravens. Uh, I think main takeaways is uh, the AFC actually feels. I thought the AFC was kind of over. With Kansas City taking a step back, it seems like I thought the Patriots would just win it, but they're not explosive enough offensively to where if they actually get behind in a playoff game, I'm not sure Brady could lead them out of it. Like, what happens if they get in a playoff game and they, I know that defense is historically good, but say Mahomes or somebody gets up 10 nothing in Foxborough, do you really trust Brady to bring them back? No, absolutely not. Brady's not good right now. Um, their offense is not good right now. I think if they don't score yesterday if it's the the block punt, the, it's the one for the block punt, the interception. Dallas gave them ten points. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Jason Garrett got to go. He's probably getting fired. That seemed to be it for him. Uh, they don't really have one signature win where you look at it and be like, man, that was a very well coached game. Uh, I'll be interested to see what Dak would do with a competent head coach uh, because he seems like he wasn't good yesterday, but he's had a pretty good year for the most part. I don't know who's winning that division, but I think Garrett's getting fired. Um, that was really about it from yesterday. I didn't have any really scathing observations aside from that. It was a decent slate of slate of games, decent results. Um, AFC wildcard is going to be brutal to watch. The NFC is really good. I think it's San Francisco and everyone else and Baltimore and everyone else on either side. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think about believing San Francisco as far as can they – can they win the NFC? And I think last night kind of solidified it. And just, I think they can. Yeah, like I'm not trusting Garoppolo yet if they get behind and they've got to go win a game in the fourth quarter. But that defense and that running game is by far good enough to go to the Super Bowl. And the quarterback obviously is more than good enough. I'm just not sure I'd trust him if the game's on the line and they're trailing. But, I, yeah, I, I, I think I think it's 
them, New Orleans. I don't really know what to make of Minnesota, and then everyone else is kind of a second tier. AFC, I think it's probably Baltimore. I'll still put New England in it because that defense is historically good, and then everyone else. But I yep. think if you made me pick an AFC winner right now, it's probably Baltimore, right? Oh yeah, without a doubt. Uh, now can yeah. they? I, I don't even really think there's a close second. But who gets home field? Like, do they have to go to Foxborough in January, or do they get to play them in Baltimore? Like, Ugh. that's going to Good be point. very, very important. Um, and that same game, like I know Jackson tore him up on the ground, but like the, playing the Patriots in late October versus playing the Patriots. You know, in January when the weather different deal, yeah, different beast. So that's probably your AFC title game. I wouldn't count out Mahomes and the Chiefs yet if they get healthy, but yeah, I think I'm not counting out Deshaun Watson anything. That's true, but man, the rest of that team is just a dumpster fire. Oh, they stink. Like yeah. the Colts probably should have won that Thursday night game. They were up seventeen to ten in control of the game, and then like it, got, it all of a sudden you look up and it's twenty to seventeen Texans. Yeah, Bill and, like, O'Brien is, is a disaster. Yeah, just he like one of those games. He's like almost thrives better when he has a terrible quarterback. He doesn't know what to do with nice things. <laughs> it, it's weird because they won the division all those years while having quarterbacks getting hurt and being terrible, and now he gets a generational talent and he can't protect them and they're awful. I, I don't get this it. This is basically just Sean running around and throwing to Hopkins. Uh, NFL is weird. Anyway, that's about all I had from the weekend. Uh, I had some Luka Doncic tapes that he's probably the greatest 20-year-old basketball player ever. Um, but I won't get into NBA today. i got to get to this press conference. You got anything else? No, seems like it. Schedule will stay the same this week. We'll do Wednesday, Friday podcast. That doesn't really change. Hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving. I know we'll talk to you again before then. But as far as our schedule, not changing. We appreciate you listening. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review the podcast. Uh, pretty good week of sports. You've got some holiday hoops. You've got football on it pretty much every day. You've got the Egg Bowl. Uh, pretty good time here to be a sports fan. But uh, we'll yeah, be daytime college basketball today. Yeah, that is. You've got Maui. You've got the Holiday Island tournaments. All that good stuff. So, um, but anyway, appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back at it on Wednesday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.